0: Hey, what's up guys? This is the WCBC podcast. My name is Hunter. And I'm Josh. And Alan's still not here. <laughs> we miss Alan. Um good I know we said last week that he would be back this week. Alan is uh he's still out, but the good news is is uh he definitely will be back with us for this next week for the podcast. Um and, and it really, to be honest, it works out really well because we're gonna finish what we started last week with the egalitarianism versus the complementarianism, you know, what it is, what's the difference. Um, so, Alan, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, buddy. We can't wait for you, you know, to get to back To join in. us. Yes. yes, to rejoin us. And yes. we'll get to start some new questions and new segments. And uh, um, we're going to have some new guests show up here in the next couple of weeks. So um, we're, we're, we're super, 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 super excited. Um, so shout out to Alan. Be safe, buddy. We'll see you next week. Um, so, yeah, guys, this is, uh, I, oh, for those of you that have made comments um, about the episodes in the podcast queue, um, I know a few of them weren't numbered, like, you know, episode 10, episode 11. I went back this last week and went through everything. They should be numerically correct now. Um, so that way each week now the new podcast will be at the top instead of the bottom so just so you guys know. Um, so yeah we're, we're continuing egalitarianism, complementarianism. You know this is a question that was sent in by Jimmy Pratt a couple weeks ago and we got to start it last week. So thanks Jimmy for sending in your questions. Uh, we hope this helps. Um, can give you some clarity and some answers. I know it's helped us and taught us a lot. Um, but before we continue with part two we, we really need to kind of recap because uh, for those of you who didn't listen last week I would encourage you, probably go listen to last week's before you try to listen to this one. Um, It'll help you out. Uh, We are going to do a brief recap, but there will probably be some depth and maybe some good points that we may not uh, hit right here in this recap. Last week, I mean, we did an hour, you know, like just digging it up, what everything meant. Um, So let's start with this recap. So, Josh, complementarianism, can you hit a recap on that for us real quick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So last week we, um, we discussed with the complementarism, what it is is basically how the male and the female um, complement each other. They both are different, have different roles and different callings, if you will, that they do. Um, and we spoke mostly last week of the in the home. And um yeah. this week we're actually gonna be speaking of it more in the church uh, body, which is exciting. But in the home we touched on it and you know, basically we what we did is we we discussed um, also the um the, the the leadership role of the male with you know, but following under the Godhead. So you have the father, the son, then the husband, then the wife and children and 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 what it looks like in a in a, in a in a healthy home yeah. under that complementarism. Um type type structure
0: yeah and, and i
1: mean josh said something
0: last week that i, I think really summed up complementarianism is you know women um, they have specific roles and duties and things that god has called them to do men have things that they are called to do and if both genders will seek the lord and fulfill their responsibilities when they come together it brings glory to god um, so thanks, Josh, for that. I'll, I'll hit egalitarianism. So basically, the egalitarianism view is that um, they are wanting to find qual- equality among the genders. Um, so the, this involves in the home, and um, even in creation, they believe that um, at, you know Adam and Eve they they were equal. Um, they also believe that sin came in; that sin was the only reason that Adam would rule the house. But once you're saved. There's no reason for headship anymore because um, we're all one in Christ. They also believe that in the church, uh, when it comes to leaderships, that uh, men and women are equal for any role, any task, anything. Um, and that's what the egalitarian will say. And so last week, as Josh said, you know we, we did talk about two big things last week. We talked about how both parties— Take the same scriptures and look at it from different point of views. It's almost like if you put, um, like, let's say you have a canyon, you know, or, or a cliff, or a valley in the bottom of a canyon, and you have one person on one side and one person on the other side, and at the bottom is, let's say, a huge rock. Well. They're both going to look at the same rock but from two different point of views and that's basically what the egalitarians doing and the complementarians is doing. Is they're both looking at the same scriptures, you know, last week we talked about the verse in Corinthians or not Corinthians, Galatians that talks about that we are one in Christ. So the complementarian will look at that verse in the context of that is talking about salvation specifically, but the egalitarian will look at that verse and say no, that means we're all Equal now, there's no difference between a woman and a man. Um, so, it, they look, they do look at scripture, I will say that. Uh, but then, after you know, we talked about the different views of scripture, the different opinions, the different things that they debate about, um, we started with Ephesians 5, and Josh did a great job of ending us last week of just walking through the household setup. Um, And me and Josh, we don't side with one or the other. We might agree with things from both parties, to be honest, but that's because me and Josh side with the Bible. So if someone has a view of Scripture that is in context with the Bible, me and Josh will line up with them. Um, Now, in the context of a lot of the verses that both parties use, I will say that the complementarian does use more context than the egalitarian. The egalitarianism does stem from a form of feminism which started in the political world and the philosophic world before it entered the church. And so, one thing that we're going to talk about today, um, and I'm going to say it now, but we're going to say it probably a good bit, is that the uh, egalitarian is trying to take things that were made in the world and put them in the church. And the complementarian is trying to take things that are put and are made in the church and put that in the world. Um, specifically with the way that they view the gender role, so that's kind of a recap uh, a brief recap. um Josh, do you think there's anything else that we really need to add to kind of
1: sum up before we jump into church leadership um, not not for the recap no, I think I think it's pretty pretty on point with it um the the church part though. There, I mean, there's a lot to it. Yeah, and there's a lot to it in the church, and and you you did make a great analogy with that looking at the rock because that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, and I mean they 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 are reading the same text, they're studying the same scripture, they're just looking at it from two opposite views. Um, and the and the one thing to keep in mind though is is that you know when we read and study the word of God is to to read it, um, and to seek it out contextually speaking. Yeah, you know what the whole thing is about. Um like I said there's a there's a, there's a point there's a few points in here that you know if you don't read it in context it, it will kind of you know yeah. make you start to think wayward or something but the, but the thing is is that right now and just kind of touching back on to last week it, it is like I says that it it is clearly evident that you know the home structure is under attack yeah um and that that's that's in everywhere we look at. I mean, from the, the movies, the sitcoms, the, 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 there is no home structure. Yeah. There, there is none, and um, there's movements out there that don't want a home structure, and they'll, they will clearly say it. They might not say we are against the home, but they say that they represent stuff that is clearly against the yeah. home.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, uh, another big thing, too, is, you know, when we talk about church leadership or even the home, a lot of people say that these specific verses do not apply to us. Now, mm-hmm. I want to say this. Um, you know, this is the Word of God. God gave this for all of humanity to have. Obviously, that's why it's lasted so long. Um, you know, and, you know, I believe it's in Revelations where it talks about even trying to add to this book, yeah. it's just not a good idea. Um, and everything in this book will be fulfilled. And so, you know, if you look at, if you believe in, um, you know, that God's Word was inspired by God, or even if you think about uh, what a lot of the uh, Reformer guys, uh, the sola scriptura, Scripture alone, if you're a Christian, you should really, I'm telling you, you're a biblical Christian, you should view Scripture a- in a high standard. That I mean, Absolutely. this is holy. This yes. is what God wanted us to have. So a lot of people do say, you know, hey, well, what he wrote for the Corinth church doesn't apply to my church. Why would he apply he why would he give rules from one place yes. and then not for the other? So you have to understand that even our church in this day and age it it somehow foreshadows it somehow shadows or copycats the early church. I mean, you want to see a successful church they're probably the ones that are trying to be as accurate as the early church was. Because when you read about the early church through the Bible, I mean, they're all focused about Jesus and everything that they do. They weren't focused about the music a lot. I'm sure they had it. They weren't focused about how what color the lights were or what, what the car- carpet on the floor was. They were focused about Jesus and it was more than a sunday and a wednesday for them it was a uh, daily for a lot yes. of them yes. and so they were so focused on jesus but the great thing is is that the apostles basically equipped the saints um helped people you know hear about jesus and once these people were saved they would go out and start telling their neighbors and the people maybe they worked with so you see the system that's created in the early church now i will say what you know timothy um Corinthians the letters that Paul would write they weren't they were written to a specific place but you have to understand that these letters were passed around i mean it wasn't like they were read one time and then just put in a basket and never touched again they were passed around they were read before the people um because Paul was trying to help them and correct them and also teach Timothy and titus and a lot of the men how the church should be ordered and so hey listen if paul the apostle of jesus christ is going to teach timothy how to be a pastor hey i'm going to listen to what paul has to say too so these scriptures in in context they apply to everyone you can't just pick and choose the bible like a fortune cookie we talked about it last week And, and, and you know um now, when you look at the context of a lot of these sections that we might talk about today, um, a lot of them are gender-specific. Um, Absolutely. That doesn't mean that the other gender isn't important. No, it is. But we have to pay attention to what the Scriptures are specifically talking about and who he is referring to because it is important. As we mentioned last week, headship was not a thing that was created in Ephesians 5. Headship existed before sin ever entered in because of how God made Adam first, then he made Eve, and then after they sinned, God called Adam first. And then he said that he would rule over and so, you know, basically, Josh, I, I kind of I'm gonna jump just a little bit ahead. It's not a question of what the title is. It's the question of authority because yes. we learn from Genesis yes. that it says the man will rule over the woman. Now that doesn't mean that the woman is a slave or a servant. Or he gets to ridicule her or hurt her or do whatever he wants because he's the macho man, masculine man. No, that's not the case because Ephesians 5 says that we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so obviously that ruins that masculine, macho woman, man, you know, do what I want. That takes that away. But headship is... Important. And so, Josh, let's just
1: dive into this. I I mean, but I mean, one. one, So one question real quick. Go ahead. So. We find we, we read about this and the focus, even on the topic of these two camps, the focus is not on what you can do. It is on what can't. And so therefore, you know, because the, the, the egalitarianism, they're like, well, that's, that, you know, that's, that's your gender that has nothing to do with it. They're equal. There's no difference. There's no separation. But the Word of God clearly has a separation. Yeah. And all of the things that it tells us that we can do, but then we're going to come and set up a camp. Right outside of what we can't do, and point and say, "Why is it I can't do this?" You know, well, it's not us saying; it, it's the Word of God that says it. Yeah. And the other thing is too is that if that that is a sign, though, of just how disobedient of a state we are as humans. Yeah. Because I mean, th- that's what happened in the Garden. There was all of this except for that—the one yes. you can't touch. And, and I think it's. I think it's important, too,
0: that—I it. I think there's something dangerous, but almost like a warning to try to do something you're not equipped for or called to do. And, yep. and I, I'm saying that in this aspect. Like, when you think of the sons of SIVA— trying to go cast out a demon that they clearly were not called to do. He says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But you, I don't know. And then the demon-possessed man attacked them. Right. And they were not called or equipped to call the demon out of that man. Right. And, And that's to say this, that, you know, when you look at the Scriptures and even, like, when it talks about the qualifications for a pastor, it's referring to a he, so well, the, it
1: says, yeah, a husband of one, one wife. wife. So how are you getting around <laughs> yeah, that? Right. But
0: see, the commentarian looks at that, and they do see that it talks about a man, but they also remember that there is a wife. And the beautiful thing is usually, if you go to a good church that's centered, you're going to see a pastor that's passionate about the Bible, but you're also going to see his wife behind him, helping him, supporting him, Um, And in a way, they're going to come in as a duo, and she's going to be able to help women in the church a lot. He's going to be able to help men and preach to the congregation. So, yes, it does talk about the qualifications for the position of the pastor because there's authority involved. But that doesn't mean that, you know, the wife's just on vacation and she never does anything. Usually, there's a great partnership that goes on in how they both serve the church in their roles. And the complementarian takes that and sees something beautiful in it. And I agree with him. I 100% agree with him that there is something beautiful about a pastor and then his wife supporting him but also doing ministry. I think there's something for the man who's not a pastor, for him doing what he is called to do, the wife supporting, but also doing what she is called to do. And when the two roles come together, I truly believe it brings glory so, God, I have met couples in my life that literally illustrate this concept so well, I almost envy them because after I leave them, I'm like, I want that one day. Like, I, I want to be on fire for the Lord with my wife, right. and I want to do that. Or I, or even, you know, the missionary couples, the husband, you know, he's called. They both are called to the mission field, but yep. where he goes, she's right so there with, with them. them. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful thing that I really— believe, glorifies God. But the thing is, is that the egalitarian takes... So, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how they beat around the bush on this one. I can't... I I guess I can see maybe the aspect, Josh, of... they Maybe they get scripture, like Bible translations that are gender-neutral because I know there's a lot out there that tries to take he or she and make it turn into we. But... I'm gonna be honest. Um, I watched a debate last week, and uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but you know, uh, you know, he he made a point that a lot of people who support like the feminist move of women should be in power um, ha- There's something that's happened in their lives, and, and I, I'm I'm not saying that to ridicule anyone. If you're listening to this, I think it's terrible if you're a man or a woman, and somehow you have been abused or taken advantage of, and it's made you change your view of men or women. I think that's awful, but I think that's a true statement by this pastor, um, is that things that affect us in our younger days are going to affect how we view things in our older days. Um, and, And so when I see, you know, 1 Timothy 3, or we read in Corinthians... It's hard to get around the things that Paul says. And I'm going to be honest, the only way I think you can truly try to get around them is by just saying, I don't believe them. That's the only way. Now, for me, I believe all Scripture, but I, I, I think the person that tries to avoid them gets around them because here's the thing. You can try your whole life trying to change these verses to fit how you want them to be, but in the end game. According to Scripture and what it really says, it, it's really like you're just fighting truth. And if you're fighting truth, then you're not for truth. And so, uh, let let Josh, But I mean, right. there is
1: there is people out there that when they study, they they exclude whole books. They exclude whole sections. They the m- te- I know yes. people that don't even believe in the old testament. old testament. right? You know, and they they don't want to address it. So yeah. therefore, I mean, if you don't want to address it, just put it out of sight, and then you can. Yeah, if
0: you don't want to deal with it, just put it away. Yeah, just don't ever talk about it. Exactly. And they do that. And I mean, and it's not just the egalitarians. No, it's, it's it's everywhere. The prosperity preachers. There's a reason why they don't. They read the same verses and they all have the same messages because they don't want to touch on the rest of the Bible. Right. It's not. It doesn't fit their theology. But see, and that's the issue, is when you look at this in 1 Timothy 3, it says, This is a true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, a pastor, he desires good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Right. So this is King James Version. Now, if I ran down the hall and got my ESV version or my NASB version of the Bible, they say the same thing, the husband of one Wife, so the complementarian looks at this and they're they're in the back back corner going, Amen. They're Amen in that. They think that's how it needs to be, but the egalitarian sees this and goes, No, 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 no. Women can be pastors. Mm-mm. So l- now this is touchy, but <laughs> I'm just I'm not afraid, right. and I, I believe that the context that we have between me and Josh is so powerful and so true that we're not worried. But Josh, let let's talk about this just for a second. The egalitarian believes that a woman can be a lead elder pastor, but Josh, we just read clearly that it says it has to be a man. Josh, why do you think they try to avoid this? I know we've mentioned some things, but why, why do you really think that they look past this and say
1: I can do it too? Well, there's, it's definitely just an, it's a movement of for equality. Is basically what it's coming out of it and is stemming from. And the argument that you hear a lot from that side of the camp is that it is, um, it, it it was written at a time that women were not looked at equally as men is, and that's what they were. That's what the biggest argument is. Well, that was also that time period. You got to keep it in that time period. This that. So, but the the one key thing that that I take from it is. And, and I catch myself with it quite regularly. And it goes more so, um, and I guess it's just because of my you know finite mind that it just basically I see everything in a small demographic area. But I try to relate almost all of it to what I know. And what do I know? I know Western civilization. None of this came from Western civilization. It is all Eastern civilization, all Eastern culture, all Eastern... And so for me, understanding of it at times, like I says, I read something and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. But then, like I says, when I when I actually put myself into a place of true thought on it in that Eastern civilization and Eastern culture, I get a deeper understanding of what exactly is going on, what yeah. is happening. Um, so w- like I says, when we debate and talk about this topic here in the United States, people take it. Totally different than what somebody of that Eastern culture is going to accept it and take it as. Um, because, like I says here in the U.S., many of the people you speak to on this that is on that equality side, they bring it from a stance of, you know, that there is no separation, that, you know, that, that this was a time period thing. A lot
0: of them also argue from opinion, than fact.
1: Yes, it is. It is very opinionated. But they'll say that, you know, this was clearly in that time period um this is you know 2020 and women and men are equal there is no separation both were created in god and like i said that's what they and they push that and they i mean and as soon as you tell them you know or show them scripture that differs from that then you basically automatically have made yourself yeah Somebody that is, you know, of of a sexist mindset. Well, that you're that you're not, you know, yeah. willing to, to be. You're not tolerant. And I'm. I've met some
0: people too that, um, maybe it's the woman pastor or family or I've met people though that support this and even do this. And when they get asked the question of how do you feel about it, they say, "Well, I don't really know." And to me, that's like, why would you do something you don't really know about? I understand that, I mean, a lot of people use, well, I feel like God's telling me this. And listen, I I know God ministers to us, and he tells us stuff. But I also believe, and you can argue with me, and you can disagree. I don't think God's going to tell you anything that's contradicting his word. Absolutely. He will not contradict himself. I mean, he won't, (laughs) and, and that's just me. And I've had people try to give me books and try to convince me left and right that, Um, women can do it. And when I look at them and I say, listen, I I understand what you're saying. I see what you've given me this book, but there's no context to it. And then all of a sudden they're looking at me like, I'm like a a woman hater. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I don't hate women. I love women. I mean, I have a girlfriend. Her name's Haley. She's amazing. Um, and I support women, and I think, you know, throughout history, I, I think, like we talked about last week, the egalitarian raise a good point that women have been shunned in, in history, and, and that's true. They have, and it's not fair, but I, I do support women. I think, you know, we all are called. If we're saved, we have gifts from the Holy Spirit that we need to use, but within the context of our gender, and so I think I think God for women. There's a reason why God saw man couldn't be alone, and so he gave women. If you come to Watson's Chapel, you're going to see a lot of faithful women. Um, I, I'm telling you, some of the strongest Christians I know go to this church, and they are women. We have uh, Miss Emily Hyden, if any of you that listen know her. Probably one of the best teachers I've ever heard in my life when it comes to history, Bible history, and Jewish history. She knows the Bible like the back of her hand and reads it every day and always posts about it. And so there is a beautiful place for women in the church. I mean, here, ladies, listen to this. If you have a women's conference, are you, I mean, do you expect me? Do you expect a man to come up there and try to minister to thousands of women about their needs? No. No. Oh my goodness, no. Yeah. H- how are we supposed to do that? Well, that's why God gave the scriptures that talks about women can teach women and help women. And so when you see, like we have a group of ladies here that go to women's conferences and they come back and talk about how awesome it was, to me, I look at that and I... I glorify God. I think that's amazing. I wish we had more things like that here for you know our ladies to do. And they have Bible studies here. And I mean, they if they have one, they have five. And I mean, they all come and they're all faithful. Um, so there is a beautiful thing. But see, a lot of egalitarians will look at how we do things, or they'll even look at the complementarian and see how we view the Scripture. And then it turns from a civil conversation to now they're pointing their finger at us, telling us we're degrading women and we're not. We're not at all. We're gonna try to treat them as God has designed them. And so when you look at, you know, this scripture and it talks about a bishop, the husband of one wife, it is talking about a man. And listen, if you think that you can support women preachers and pastors, I, I'm just saying the husband of one wife. You uh, try to get around that biblically. You can't. You literally can't. And then it goes on and says they need to be vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given hospitality, you know, uh, 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 available and able to teach. Okay. So, you know, it's like this last week someone asked me, well, Hunter, what's the question? Like, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? And I, I think that's a great question that helps us understand more about this is that when you look up the Greek definition for preacher, it talks about a public crier. So anytime someone is a public crier in the body of the church, they are establishing authority in the moment. And so when it talks about authority, it it refers to a man. And so that's why most men in the Bible are preachers. Actually, not most. All of them Um, are preachers. There's no women pastor in the Bible. There's no women preachers in the Bible. You can come argue with me if you want. I know the Bible says that women did prophesy. That's different than preaching. That is totally different than preaching. Um, But then you look at teachers, and it's just someone who can teach and share the word. But that's not talking about the public crier. And so I, I think knowing the difference between preacher and teacher can help. But there's a reason why, you know, when it comes to that thing of authority is God talks about that the man will have the authority. He will be the head. He will lead the church because he's the one that's supposed to show and, and have that authority. But it's not his own choices. Right. It's him being led by God. That's why the prophets and the apostles were all men. And it wasn't their own authority. What did they do? They sought God in everything that they did. So when it comes to the qualifications of the pastor, the complementarian sees it and goes, yes, amen. You know, it needs to be a man. It has to be a man. But the woman comes beside him. His wife comes beside him. And they're like this awesome tag team. And they, start, and they have this beautiful view. But then the egalitarian looks at that and they're like, no, that's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. It revolves, it revolves around the word fair.
1: Right. And so, and not around the word of God. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, and it's that's the, ultimately where it boils. And down that's to. the difference between the two. Yeah. And,
0: and listen, we're ans- Hey, all we're doing is answering Jimmy's question. What's sure. the difference? That's the difference right there of everything we just talked about. But when you look at the scripture, the complementarian has it in context of literally word for word, literal context. The egalitarian says, "Well," and anytime someone starts out going, "Well, I don't," right? They're going to be a little off. Um, this is the Word of God. So, Josh, now— So, ahead, so if,
1: if, we, if we look at this also, so then with this type of mindset of just basically saying, well, there's exceptions to it, right? So then if the guy was a drinker, heavy drinker, yeah, he not sober-minded, would that disqualify him? Absolutely, immediately. Yeah, if he was a striker, you know, he was the one that you know always out fighting, you know, abusive to his wife. Would we? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. It would not even be a question. It because it clearly states, and the same thing. But what? So here's here's the thing. I think there's a hangup over the position. Yeah, that's and, it, and that's it, and that's it. It's, that's just, it's the just the position, position and the pulpit. And that's if it. you truly are servant of Christ. The least of your things on your mind is the position. You're just serving. Because you're just serving Christ, and you're doing his work regardless. So if you are a lady, you're out witnessing to people. Everybody that you come in contact with as a woman, of, of a servant of Christ, you are witnessing to. You're, you're, you're giving information, you're encouraging, you're praying with, you're, 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 you're uplifting people. You're showing them and pointing them continuously to Christ. And when it comes down to it, you know, people are like, you know, who are you? I'm nobody. But Christ is, he's everything. And and that's what it boils down to is it gets to a place to where, you know, we just got to really address it. And it's a, it's a place of, it's a, it's a place of pride. Because the thing about it is, is that the only thing that would be of it would be coming from. I want that position.
0: Yeah, that's it. So, well in Genesis, you could do yes, your your desire will be after him. It is. Talking yeah. about in, like obviously intimacy, but talking about she will want to rule you and yes. make your decisions. And to make you right to, to for, right for you to answer to her, and that's been going on since Genesis three. I mean, this is nothing new. It's always been. Around, I mean, even like when, so a lot of people talk about the Corinthian church, that verse where it says women should be silent. And people hear that and they're like, that's not fair. So here's my question before I even tell you about it. Do you know the context of the verse? Do you know why Paul wrote that? Do you think Paul was a male chauvinist? No. Literally the only reason that he wrote that is because women were trying to take over the Corinthian church. In the home churches that they would have, they all go to these home churches and do whatever they want. And In some places, women were preaching and leading the house, doing something that they're not called to do biblically and in context. And so when they would come to the main gathering of the people, they would start screaming and and start trying to take over. And that's why Paul said, let them be quiet. He wasn't saying... Hey, you know, they can never speak in a church. They can, if they utter one word, he's not saying that. Women can't, if you come to our church, if you come to Watson Chapel, you're going to see men, but you're going to see women. You're going to see them singing and helping lead worship. We, I mean, we have women that get up and they share part of their lives. They help do things here. Um, You know, our children's director is a woman named Tracy, and she's amazing at what she does. So when Paul says that, he's not saying that they have to be silent every time they walk in the doors if you believe that (laughs) i'm gonna challenge you Mm -hmm. too to go study that out yeah but he's saying that because they were trying to take over the corinthian church and he was just saying stop stop that stop don't do that anymore let them learn let them talk to their husbands Let, let them so he was talking to them in that specific moment yes that is the context but just because he's writing that to the specific Corinthian women does not mean that all the women that don't live in Corinth get to do what they were doing, right Is that not true? yeah because if you say, well, that's just for the Corinthian women that's not just that's not for me. Mm-hmm. If you were in the Corinthian church and you try to do that. He would do the same thing. If Paul was alive right now, and you're trying to do that in a church, he would have told you the same thing. Not because he doesn't like women. He does. He used Phoebe. He used women to help him. He loved. He was around them. But he did write it to the Corinthian church. It wasn't a culture problem. Paul wasn't a male chauvinist. No. Times were different. Yes. But he would tell that to any woman in any church. He just right. wrote it for them, and, and that doesn't give you an excuse to try to get outside of that because you can't. And, and I know a lot of people take that and they're like, "Well, you know, it's not fair. You know, he's a you know he doesn't like women. No, he does. Study out the history of the Corinthian church. Did you listen? It wasn't just women. Men were doing some crazy things in oh, that yes, church too. Absolutely. I mean, he 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 dedicated a whole segment to sexual immorality because there were men in the church just. Doing whatever they wanted right. with women, you know their their dad's wives, any of them, family right. members, I, and so he had to address men and women because there was that place is like a zoo, right. I, and that's what I, I I I like. I can't talk today, Josh. That's what I compare it to. So there right. we go. But now you know I said a key word about you know. um, Well, deacons. Like, think about it in this aspect too. Like with Phoebe, you know, I said mention Phoebe was mentioned as a deaconess. Now, me and Josh, we had a great conversation last week. If you look at a deaconess, it talks about a servant. Yep. But if you look at the qualifications for deacons in Timothy three, now he's talking to a position that's going to exercise authority. So, anytime authority is going to be exercised. It will be the man that will lead it. So when you look at the qualifications for deacons, I want you to see this. It does talk about men, but what also? Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, okay? But then he talks about the wives too. Even so, their wives must yep. not be grave, nor slanders, sober. So there's something beautiful about that Priscilla-Aquila type duo uh, of a deacon and a wife. Now, when you think about Phoebe... Phoebe didn't exercise authority, nor do I believe she cared about the authority. Because when we read about Paul sending Phoebe, he's saying, give her what she needs, support her. And I think it's because all she wanted to do was serve the church. And I mean, me uh, uh, me and Josh talked about a sermon that was by Matt Chandler last week. In the beginning of that, Matt Chandler lets one of the deaconesses in their church talk. She doesn't talk about her position. She doesn't talk about seeking authority. She just says, I serve this church, and I love this church. That's context of what a deaconess is. And some churches have that position available. Usually it's a deacon's wife, but it's a woman who serves the church specifically. I mean, we have deacons here, and their wives, they're here. They're working. Um, and, And so when you look at Phoebe... You know, that is something that is in the Bible, and we shouldn't just not talk about it. We shouldn't just not address it. I I think it's worth addressing, and I think it's worth bringing up, because Phoebe was used, and she was good at what she did, obviously, if Paul is going to use her. And and so, it's like Josh said, it's not about the position. It's about the authority. It's about someone wanting the power. They're wanting that. And so the egalitarian, Josh, they'll look at that view of, you know, the deacon, and they're like, now, hold up, hold up. Women can be deacons. You don't have to call them deaconesses. They can be deacons. They can have authority. But also, deacons are usually your elders, too. Mm. And so they're like, women can be elders in the church. Um, And that's what the egalitarian says, is that this is an equal position. But I also want to say this. Let the deacons be the husbands of one, one wife. wife. Try to get There's around that, that again. one wife again. Try to get around that again, um, and that's what they do. They try to get around it. But Josh, the complementarian, when they look at the qualification of a deacon, how will they view that? But also, can you kind of talk about how it's a beautiful thing about the man and how the woman? The, you know, they they come together, and can
1: you talk yeah, about? So that? So actually, First Timothy three, which you you were reading. Um, and it says that they, you know, so it does talk about the deacon, husband of one wife, ruler of their cho- uh ruling their children and their own house as well. Um, and it says there, it says it's their own. There, that's the husband, that's the wife, the, the deacon and his wife. They are to be ruling their house together. Yeah. Um. So the beauty of it is, is that, you know... The, the thing is, is like, in, like you're talking about here at our church, that we do have the deacons and their wives and how involved and active they are. But it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And the reason is, is because they are in full support. The wives are in full support of the husband. That's, that's that unity, and there's a degree of faith there. Because sometimes the husband will have a choice to make that it's his choice. Because it is a something that is going to involve his household. Yeah. And the thing about it is, is that is a burden that's on his shoulders. He makes this choice. And sometimes the wife might not be 100% on board with it, but through faith, she's like, I know that he's prayed about this. I know that this is a decision that he has made prayerfully, and we are going to move forward on this. Yeah. And in full support that is very different than what the world tells you you know like you he better not say you know we're doing this without first consoling me um so when when a person is or a man is placed into that place or considered for that role of a deacon once he becomes that deacon not only does he have a position but his wife does as well yep and through that like that's that's the whole part of it because the thing is is that any position in any form of ministry comes with a lot of burdens. It comes with a stuff that you're going to be exposed to. Yeah, that you that's going to weigh on you, and not everything you can share. A lot of it you carry alone, yep. and through carrying that alone. They don't understand why. The wives don't always understand why. They don't understand what they're going through, but they know that they're going through something. And so, however, that husband or that male handles it, whether it's through quietness, whether it's through alone time, whether it's in however, the wife is exposed to some sort of treatment or some sort of way that that husband is interacting or not interacting at that moment or through he, when he's going through that process. So she has to be strong in her faith as well to understand that he is, one, serving the Lord. Yeah. And that whatever he is personally going through at that time, and whatever he burdens he's dealing with, that she has to have some understanding. Because if it is a all about me idea and mindset, you know, the wife is like, why aren't you speaking to me? Why ain't you doing this? Why aren't you interacting? Why are you being so quiet? Why are you being? And the thing is, is that it has nothing to do with e- either one of them. It's just that he's burdened at the yeah. moment and he's seeking the Lord. That's the beauty of it. That when a true husband and wife are both seeking that Lord as and that they're faithful servants to the Lord, we don't always have to know exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know, and we don't have to always be the center of that attention, the center of the spotlight. And that's the beauty of it, that, you know, we can, we can lift each other up and carry each other's burdens. Well, sometimes without even knowing that we haven't—we yeah. don't have to know the specifics. Yeah. You know, and that's the same with the wife. The wife doesn't have to know the specifics— all she needs to know is that her husband at the time needs prayer and needs lifted up and encouraged. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it is that when he gets home or when he's tasked with something, she's there in full support. She's there pushing him along right behind him yeah. in full support of it, which is exactly what we get from, you know, because like I said, I mean, when we when we seek the Lord in all that we do and in all that we go at, at our, in our lives, if we put him first— the world does not see that as popular the, you know when we make those stands and like right now you see you see sports athletes you see actors actresses coming out in these professions of faith because they've finally gotten to a place to where they you know those like okay i'm not going to accept this they're like i'm set apart yeah i'm i'm going to i'm going to say my stance yeah, and, different. And, and it's not popular because every time somebody does the news media is hitting it and they're like look what so and so said they're pointing said. fingers yes. trying to ruin them yes and so it's not a popular—and and, and the setup of this whole—the Godhead and everything, the whole popular—this is not popular in today's time. No. You know, and especially with the church. You look at a church, and that's what they're going to say. They're going to say, well, you know, there, a lot of churches have women as pastors. A lot of churches—absolutely, there is a lot of churches, but there's also a lot of churches that are not taking heed to the Word of God. And that's what we're finding. Yeah.
0: And I mean, there's even churches out there that like they have deacons and they might refer to the wives as deaconesses, but they're still keeping it in context. Yep. The wife knows that the man is the deacon. He is it's the authority. one leading and she is there to support and to help. Um, and I, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I know what Josh was saying, too, um, but I'm going to come from the other side of it is it's also a beautiful thing. Like, you know, I, I'm not married, but, you know, w- one thing I know is me and Haley, we've been together. And when I I was called into ministry before I met her. Um, and so there are days, and I, I know this from hearing men that have been, are married, and they've been doing ministry for years. Sometimes it's nice to have a lot on you, and you got that person, your your partner in life, your wife, the love of your, to just go home and talk to, and then pray about it. And she keeps it confidential. And then sometimes you'll go meet with the people, and she'll come with you as the witness, but she'll help if it's counseling or whatever. She's right there. And so I think it's a beautiful thing, too, that you know they don't have to know everything that's going on, and they'll still pray for each other, but there's something beautiful, too, about him being able to be um, almost vulnerable in that moment with her, of like, I'm troubled, this is what's going on, let's pray about this right now, or... I've got this meeting that's going on. Do you care to come with me and be the witness? But also, you know, so sister so and so's we're meeting with her, right. and I'm going to talk to her. But I want you to go be with her. I want you because I feel like so. There's something beautiful too uh, about that side uh, of it. And you know, when when it comes to all this complementarianism and egalitarianism I also want to say like when you look in first Timothy 3 it also talks about for the pastor um, it's, it says in verse 5 if a man know not how to rule his own house how he, how can he take care of the church you yep. can't get around that right I, I mean you you can't unless you take out the word man and try to make it you can't um, and, and so guys you know when as we come to to the conclusion of this listen it mine and Josh's goal is not to convince you it's not to persuade you. We're just answering a question. Um, and I will say this. If you're listening to this and you don't agree with what we're saying and you want to send an email or, or you know talk to us, feel free. But I do want to say this, and I mean this wholeheartedly, and I had learned this the hard way one time. If you come to talk to me or Josh and you do not have Scripture to support what you're getting ready to say it's just going to be a conversation that goes in a circle, and no one's going to be edified out of it. And so, you know, if you have scriptures that you want to send us, or maybe you think support, egalitarian, send them in. We, I mean, we want to read them. Um, because here's the thing. If you're going to try to convince me that I'm wrong about something in the Bible, then you have to have it in context. Right. You have to have support biblically. And if you do, then you've got me. But, here, but you're not going to. Because, the, I mean, listen— if you wanted to know, and maybe you're listening to this and we've been talking about both sides, you should probably be able to tell, if I had to lean one way, I would definitely lean with complementarianism. I think it's in context. I think it edifies God. I think it keeps God's order of man and woman the way he intended it to be. And I'm I see more people who identify as complementarians as pastors. Their churches are so successful and after God's own heart. Than people that I know identify as an egalitarian. I will say this: if you are an egalitarian, you support it. I do know egalitarians that, and I I've seen them talk. I believe they'll be in heaven. Absolutely, um, I think they're wrong, <laughs> right. but I do think they'll be in heaven. And so I definitely lean that way. But I also know there's people out there that identify as complementarians that also are like in left field because it could mean it. It could mean something different everywhere you go. But, you know, we just wanted to answer Jimmy's question. So, that's what egalitarianism is. That's what complementarianism is. We've talked about the difference. But, guys, more importantly than talking about those, we've talked about the Word of God and, and what it says. Now, you can argue. You, you can come at us. You, I mean, that, that's fine, guys. We we are just wanting people's thoughts and hearts to be stirred for the Word, that they'll study it out. They'll learn and they won't just stand on opinion. Because, listen, Jesus said it specifically. If you do what I say, you'll be like a man who builds his house on that solid foundation. And, Josh, when it comes to complementarians, I believe that's what they're doing. Right? They're hearing the Word of God. They're doing it. And they're built on strong foundation. And I think that's why when people have debates between the two, the complementarian usually wins in the end. Because yeah. he has more facts and more scripture. Yeah. But when Jesus also said, if you don't do what I say, you're going to be like someone who builds on a sand foundation. Right. There's nothing there. And that's why you see a lot of egalitarians go to opinions or argue, or like I've experienced, some people start just pointing at you, telling you how awful you are, because they don't know what else to say. Yeah. That's all they have left in their in their bag of ammo. And listen, you can tell us we're terrible. That That's fine. But listen... If you're a Christian, if you're a true believer of God, let this stir your affections. I heard Matt Chandler say that once, and I love hearing. It. Let it stir your affections to not take what me and Josh have said, but look at the scriptures yourself. Yeah, study them out and listen. If you find something that we've said wrong, send it in. We'll look at it. And if we if we ever said anything wrong, we would be the first ones to admit it. Um, but jo- Josh, do you have anything else that you I just
1: f- wanted to touch base real yeah, quickly go ahead. on Titus too. Um, starting in verse 2 it says the aged man be sober, sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity, impatient. Then starting in verse 3 it says the aged women likewise they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands and to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, keepers of a home, good, obedient to their own husbands in the word of God, be not blaspheming. Um, young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. So basically the thing is, is that what this is talking about on women, when you see it, it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and, and it talks about something here, is that, and that's the teaching, the edification of younger ones coming up. And this, and this is speaking here directly to women, and the, the bringing up the w- women underneath them to teach them how to, you know, to love their husband, to be sober-minded, to and be, to, sh- to share the gospel yes, to them, and lead them to the Lord. Right, and that's that is such a beautiful thing. But then here we also understand that you know, as much as it talks about the women here, it goes on later, and it says young men to exhort to be sober-minded. Men have that same responsibility. That we are to take younger men and to edify them, to raise them up, to teach them how There's to equality be— equality in that. Yes, to be a husband, how to be a father, how to be—you know, and that's the thing. If we really want to get down to the brass tacks of it, where it's failing, it's not failing between men and women. It's failing in Christianity as as who we are in Christ. Yeah. And we need to start looking, instead of going from this fence to that fence, saying, hey, well, this doesn't—you know, I'm I'm a man or I'm a woman what we need to start looking at it is I am a child of God I am a follower of Jesus Christ my obligation is not to anybody except for Christ my obligation by serving and becoming a true servant of christ now therefore i am going to look at myself as a father as a husband and and i I would hope that my wife which i know she does looks at herself Mm -hmm. and says what am i as a mother what am i as a wife and the beauty of it is is that when we truly start seeking christ the one thing that we are our biggest message is the gospel message. Is to share the faith, our faith, with others that are lost. Once they come into that faith, it is not—it's not like going to a theme park and getting a T-shirt and we've won. It is that we've—they've accepted their faith. They've accepted Christ as the Lord and Savior. Now it's our responsibility to go to work with them, to teach them, to show them. To, to edify them in the Word of God, yeah. what the responsibility is. I mean, because the thing about it is, is I think that's the biggest disconnect, is that the church, and I'm speaking of the body of Christ, is that fails itself at times by not uplifting and encouraging others. We all are going to have our times where we come get beaten down by the world. You know, we're downtrodden, our, yeah. we're kind of distant at our faith that is the time that we need brothers and sisters to come together to pull them up yeah you know hey you're you're in a low spot i see it i clearly see it but then so the the thing is is that sometimes i believe that we are in a place of you know i I don't want to be offensive i don't want to go up to you and be like you know hunter you seem down you know is everything okay is there you know and then you're like yeah everything's fine well, then, you know, I could feel like it's all—I would much rather be awkward and call 10 times on you to say, hey, are you okay? Yeah. You know, and you'd be like, yeah, I'm good, just just for that one time that you're not. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing about it is that, you know, so when we look at the men and the roles of the men and the women and how they differ and how they vary, the thing to keep in mind is, is that we all are Christians under Christ, yeah. the authority of Christ. And and like I said, the thing is, is that, you know, the women have their roles and the men have theirs. And once both of those men and women alike start focusing on Christ yeah. and doing their role, the other roles fall into place. Yeah. And absolutely. that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of
0: it. And that's what I was literally getting to kind of end us with was what you just said. It's that— You know, men were created for their part, women were created for their part, and if we all will be responsible in our areas, in our own pastures, as we say around here, stay in your own pasture, then there's something beautiful about it and something great about being closer to Christ. And that's what the complementarian says, is that men and women complement each other when they focus on their role in gender. But then the egalitarian says... No, it's not fair. We can right. do whatever we want, man or woman. And I think that's where it falls short is because instead of focusing on their own responsibilities as a man or a woman, they want to focus on the other. Absolutely, And it can really distract a person. But ultimately, like Josh said, it's all about christ it's all about jesus and that's what gets us to heaven it it's not men and women and our theologies and our concepts and flaws it's it's jesus and so we hope that everybody can agree huh, that listens on that <laughs> so but guys that that's what we have to wrap up complementarianism versus egalitarianism and the difference between it um and then to talk about you know biblically what what they both support where they stand um, and so we hope we've done a good job at defining both of those and talking about the Scriptures that they argue about. I, I've I've truly enjoyed this. Um, if, if anything, you know, I, it's like I told Josh, I think through this, I have been able to study out Deborah and Phoebe and Nympha and a lot of the ladies and Mary Martha in the Bible, um, you know, they have a huge part in yes. Scripture. And men, guess what, have a huge part in Scripture they all had a huge part in Scripture. And we do now. We all have a huge part of being the church. And if we'll just take advantage of that, focus on the Lord, um, I, he, He'll bless the church. Absolutely. And so But, guys, that, that's all we have. We hope this has uh, just taught you things and helped you out. I know it's helped us. If it hasn't helped anyone else out. So, Josh, you have anything else to say? God bless. Guys, hey, we love y'all. And we'll see you next week with Alan. So, peace out. See you guys.